They say you have three names. The one you inherit from your family. The one your parents gave you. And the one you make for yourself. So create the brand of you. Find the job you've always dreamed of and make it yours by going to Irish Jobs, Ireland's online recruitment platform. Take control of your career. Visit irishjobs.ie and move up to the next level you. Irish Jobs. Make a name for yourself. Time now for Rocky Jordan. Not far from the Musk Sultan Hassan in Cairo stands the Café Tambourine, run by Rocky Jordan. The Café Tambourine, crowded with forgotten men, alive with the babble of many languages. For this is Cairo, where modern adventure and intrigue unfold against a backdrop of antiquity. Tonight's story, Consignment for Naples. I should have known things were too nice and quiet. It was in the heat of the day, and my cafe tambourine was almost deserted. The cash register was as silent as the sphinx out of tourist season, so I went back to my office to get some paperwork done. I just buried my nose in a bunch of figures when the next thing I knew, a dapper Egyptian in British clothes and a red fez popped in the office door. He handed me an elaborately embossed card, sat down, snapped open his briefcase, and came out with a fistful of papers. Hamoud Hassan, Mr. Jordan. Great Nile Insurance Company, Cairo. Yes, so I read. Well, I got lots of insurance, Mr. Hassan. Yes, that is quite obvious, Mr. Jordan. And why waste your time? If you please, my call is in regard to a certain cargo which you recently consigned to Naples by way of the Cairo air freight lines. It was insured through my company. What about it? Mr. Jordan, do you not know that the plane carrying your cargo crashed near El Alamein two days ago? Come to think about it, I did read about a plane crash, but I didn't connect it up. Your cargo was completely destroyed by fire. So that's it. Hardly worth your bother, Mr. Hassan. Didn't amount to much. That is a matter of opinion. Sort of a thank you gift I was sending to a friend in Naples. You've seen my son? Yes. Very handsome boy. Yes. Big, muscular, talks real nice, writes real nice, good words. Yes. Besides that, he gets 20,000 a year from his mother's will. My son doesn't have to lift a finger. Look, Mr. Anderson... Easy, Danny, easy and calm. We'll get along better. All those things, all those things my son has makes him an attractive man, doesn't it? Uh Uh-huh. Made him attractive in college, too. Co-eds went for my son real big. Made his old daddy proud the way pretty young things went for his son. Of course, knowing the boy was coming into 20,000 a year when he got out, that didn't hurt a bit. Just put honey in the old college trial. And they tried, Danny, believe me, they tried hard. You know what? No. Frank Jr., my son, he said to me once, Dad, I'm a discriminating man. Don't push me, Dad. I'll find her. I'll find Miss Wright. (laughs) I'll find Miss Wright. For a while there, I thought he had. Went with her longer than all the rest. Oh? Beautiful girl, stunning, young. Met her at an old grad get-together. This uh, girl... Marianne like to... Corby. Charles has it all written down. He'll give it to you when you feel like going. 
Her name, her address. Danny? Yeah? You met my son's wife. Yes. She's 20 years older than he is. He told me. He tell you how he met her, how he met his Miss Wright? No. In a museum. <laughs> I mean it. The Metropolitan Museum, guided tour. They admired the same statue. They got to talking. He married her. I didn't make the wedding. Danny? What? You go see Marion Corby. Ask her how come she wouldn't marry my son of the $20,000 a year, my handsome, attractive son. Charles, Danny's coat, huh? Get it? music make you need, Danny? Something tropical? Something real southy, yeah? Miss Corby, Bite uh... your lip for just this little bit. Listen. Huh? Does it bring out the Caribbean in you? Well, if it does, you'd better run. Don't walk right out of here. Because all you've done so far is say you're from the police and guileless girl that I am. I admit it, you. Guileless girl that I am. You done? Does it impress? Or am I in the wrong light for it? Want to know why I'm here, Miss Corby? One way or another, it'll come out. Frank Anderson. See? Okay, tell me about him. Need more music? Mm-mm. There's an oldie. Goes M is for the O is for the T is for the, you know, mother song. Goes with the boy real fine. I'm saying Frank was a mama's fella. No fun at all. No fun at all. Very fine boy. Uh, no fun at all. Why not? Listen, a fellow like that, healed and pretty, and me as predatory as anything you'll find, and me as wanting to marry a healed and pretty fellow as you'll find. You didn't make it? I've got the draftiest fourth finger of the left hand as you'll find among those of us without wedding bands. Listen. Yeah? I went with the boy. And? I went with the boy, period. I had a whole spring with the boy. I was unkissed from March to June. Then on June 3rd, he slugged me. What are you talking about? We don't talk the same, do we? Just tell me what... The fella didn't kiss, nor hug, nor scratch gently the forearm, nor say sillies, nor breathe upon the cheek. Waste of time. On June 2nd, I got loaded. No. From the frustration of it. What happened? He walked into my apartment. I put my arms around him. Well, he didn't react the way I expected. He slugged me. I had to put a stake on my eye. So? So what? So I'm still looking for a fella. At least I've got a direction in life. Isn't that nice? Well, if that's all you can say, you better go. Do. Mr. Clover. Hello, Mrs. Anderson. What do you want, Mr. Clover? Is your husband home? What do you want, Mr. Clover? Would you rather I came back with a warrant? Let's go inside, shall we? Very well. Frank? You know I'm busy. Uh, uh, Frank? Frank? I told you, Jessica, dear. I told you. What do you want, Clover? Sorry if I'm interrupting, but... You're interrupting? Article writing? 
Icebergs, more than meets the eye. For a science magazine on assignment. I'm happy for you. Would you like some information on icebergs? Just some information on a couple of public stenographers. Jessica. Now, don't send me away again. It's just that I don't want you mixed up in these... Mixed up? Why should I be mixed up? Why should you be mixed up? You can stay, Jessica. Stay, stay. What is it my Frank's mixed up in, Mr. Clover? Haven't you told your wife, Mr. Anderson? Tell her what? Look, I've had a long talk with your father. Good for you. Very good for you. What do you think about Frank's father? What do you mean? Do you like him? I haven't thought about it. The only impression I've got is I believe he's a truthful man. Jessica. Jessica, why now, don't you... Frank. All right. What did my father tell you? About a girl named Marianne Corby. You've told me about her, Frank. Did he tell you he slugged her? Slugged her? What about it, Frank? Don't pay any attention to him, Jessica. Now let me ask you something, Mr. Clover. All right. Did my father finger his mustache when he talked to Marianne? Let me handle this, Jessica. Did my father twirl his mustache and look sly? All he told me was go talk to her. How do you come to call him my father, Mr. Clover? He phoned us. He wanted to talk to someone about you. Yes. And Mr. Clover... Yeah? Why should he want to do that? I don't think your father likes you very much. Is that all? We know that. He wants to destroy me, doesn't he? That's why he called. He doesn't like you very much. On account of me. Because I'm older. And because... That's about it. And this is the way he's found to destroy me. Listen, Mr. Anderson, police operate this way. A crime is committed, a special kind of crime, in a special way. We ask ourselves, who does this sort of thing? Who's done this before and in this way? Oh, I, I must write an article. We'll, we'll call it, um... So when see. two girls are slugged and stabbed... Title, the police, more than meets the eye. Frank. Yes? Did you do what he said? What? Hit that girl, Marianne. Yes. Yes, I did. I see. Tell your wife why you did it. Because she wasn't like you, Jessica. She was cheap, forward. Like Lois Burton? Yes. You, you, you've got to understand, I, I have a well-ordered life. I, I don't want anything spectacular to happen to it. I've got Jessica and peace and silence. There's no room for... Frank. And you're what I want, Jessica. You took her home, Frank, last night. Yes? You worked late at the hotel, at her office, and you took her home. Yes, I did. What happened? I'll tell you what happened. I, I, I'm going to tell you the truth, and when I tell you, you're, you're, you're not going to be angry at me. Just tell me. She tried to get me drunk. I see. She tried to get me drunk, and, and she wanted me to dance with her. I pushed her away and she fell down. She, she was hurt. Jessica, I, I didn't mean it. She was stabbed. She was... She knew I was married, didn't she? Well, why did she try all that funny business for well, The other girl, Joy. She, she came in. It, it, it was the wrong time for her to come in. She started to scream. I hit her, too. Jessica. Oh, I'm so sorry for you. You're not... Angry, are you? Just sorry. Jessica, please hold me. Just like this. 
She wasn't like you. None of them were. Oh, On a late autumn's night, Broadway echoes with sounds heard only in darkness, whispers, laughter floating down to your end of the bar, footsteps that fade when you turn a corner. You reach after them, and there's nothing. The closing door at the end of a long corridor. It's Broadway, the gaudiest, the most violent, the lonesomest mile in the world. Broadway, my beat. Saved you coming down and signing another invoice, he said. Just what did this guy look like? Big fella, gray hair, had a bad cold? No, a little ragged guy with red hair, no cold. Where do I find out some more about the plane crash? Talk to the pilot. He crash landed before the plane burned. He's, uh, he's back in Cairo. Oh, where? Get it from the office. I ain't information. The man in the office didn't like me either. But he finally told me the pilot was Andy Barker. Lived at the Marmaduke Hotel. Well, I was fast becoming Cairo's number one heel. But my number one boy on the heel parade was a little ragged fellow with red hair. Till I could dig him out, I was off to the Marmaduke Hotel to see what the pilot could tell me. The room clerk did a take when I asked for Andy Parker's room number, but he gave it to me. It took me a couple of minutes to get up a noisy elevator to the third floor and then find Barker's room. But I didn't have to knock. The door was wide open. And there in the center of the room, lying sprawled face down, was a man with a handful of rug. A whiff of Egyptian cigarette smoke turned my head to a chair in the corner. Calmly seated there was Captain Sam Sabaya, Cairo Police. Well, Jordan, your usual timely entrance. Uh, waiting for me, Sam? The room clerk is most cooperative. Come in, close the door. Is uh, this Andy Barker? It is. Why? I wanted to talk to him. Oh, you may talk to him, but I fear he, he will get no answers. You see, he... Uh, don't tell me. Now, what did you wish to talk to this man about? About the crash of his cargo plane in the desert. And your interest? Some of my stuff was on the plane. What stuff? Brandy dates. Jordan, must I be eternally patient with you? Brandy dates, indeed. That's what it was, Sam. Don't you believe me? Perhaps I do, and perhaps not. Well, let's hear your idea. Enough, Jordan. What was on the plane, or for what reason it was on its way to Naples, was not my concern. But murder it is something else. Well, you think it ties up? The moment I do. What do you know of this Andy Barker? In the corridor, you walk with a man who has just been acquitted of the murder of his wife. A man you arrested, testified against, watched as he was given the verdict of freedom. And in his face, no sign of release, of joy. Only a newer pallor, sudden, intense. You tried, Danny. You didn't make it. And the court found you innocent, Mr. Welch. Yeah, didn't they, though? You know something, Danny? Hmm? What? They say I'm innocent. You say it. Me, I still don't know. I was out of the world at the time. I was drunk. That girl, Ida Gray. Yeah. 
spunky kid to sit up there and tell it into the teeth of the world that I was with her at the time Faye was... My wife was being killed. I wonder if I had fun. I wonder if I'd had me had fun while Faye was dying. She broke our case, saved your life. You want it? I give it to you. For whatever my life's worth now, take it. Deal it out among your friends. Look, Mr. Welch, you're a free man. What's with this free? A man pronounces a word and that makes me free? You look. Faye's dead. The girl I loved is dead. A girl... You know something, Daniel? What? It's now the law of the land that I didn't kill my wife. That means someone else did. That's right. I make you a promise out of the goodness of my heart. I'll get to the killer before you do. Hope to die if I don't. We'll handle it, Mr. Welch. You leave it all hey, to us. Hold it a minute, will you, Danny? You too, Johnny. I want a picture. You and Ida here. Here, stand close to him, Ida. Come on, come on. Get close. Touch his face or something. Get out you of here it. before... Oh, Johnny. Ida saved your life. You don't have to, Johnny, if you don't want to. Stay out of it, huh, Ida, baby? You just stay posed where I... Now, come on, Johnny. Ida here, this pretty girl here, handed you back your life on a silver platter. That's Not what least... Ida did, all right. Okay, take your picture. And step aside so a picture could be made. A picture of a man, Johnny Welch, his eyes dull, unfocused. The corner of his lips twitching somewhere between pain and hate. The girl looking up at him, unsmiling. And the man with the camera. All right, now, now, try to look glad. What about it? Everybody knows the stuff was in your name. When Andy Bucker let it leak out, it was black market, so who else would kill him but you, Jordan? Why, you... Yeah, yeah, hit me some more. But where you're going, you won't be able to hit anybody. For a long time. listening to Consignment for Naples, tonight's adventure with Rocky Jordan. Every Sunday night on the Pacific Coast from 8 through 9.30, CBS brings you high adventure and thrilling mystery, designed to keep you absorbed in skillfully woven tales until the last surprising moment. Following Rocky Jordan, stay tuned for The Whistler. Then at 9, you'll enjoy Sam Spade and another exciting half hour. Take a voyage into mystery every Sunday night from 8 until 9.30. Now we return you to Cairo and tonight's adventure with Rocky Jordan, consignment for Naples. Naturally, I was the last to find out that my name was on a big shipment of dehydrated foods bound for the Italian black market. But when the plane carrying the stuff crashed and burned in the desert, things started happening fast. The pilot lived, but only long enough to get back to Cairo and start spilling. So somebody killed him. Well, Leon Passon told me a woman named Ann Helga was running the show, so she was the one I had to find. There are only about a million and a half people around Cairo, so I had myself a job. I spent an hour or so checking the steamship and airlines with no luck. Next, I went to the American consulate. You are correct in assuming that one Anne Helga is in Egypt. However, on November 23rd, she moved to Karnak. Her passport expires December 3rd, 1949, Mr. Jordan. That helped. And for a moment, consider him. 
Consider the man whose reaction to the violence done him was compassion, understanding. To have come out of a beating from an embittered man, a man on the prowl, dedicated to the killing of his wife's murderer, and still Larry Moore makes no charge against him. Wonder about it. And note your own shock that you've stained Larry Moore's compassion with suspicion and leave with no answer to Larry Moore's question as to what kind of a man he was, anyhow. At headquarters, issue an all-points bulletin for the pickup of Johnny Welch, acquitted of the murder of his wife, because where he walked, walked violence and death. And strip off the hours of waiting with routine, with talk to Detective Muggan. It isn't safe for the citizens with that guy loose, Danny. We'll find him. He's a sick man. Right now, you could go so far as to call him crazy. Maybe. Who knows who he's going to choose out of the crowd to call his wife's murder. This time, he just beats up on a man. Next time, maybe he'll be more thorough. And a sick man turns into a killer. We'll find him. Sure we will. Uh, mind if I open the window a little, Danny? It's stuck in. Mm, go ahead. <sighs> lucky fella. Lucky, lucky fella. What do you say? Johnny Welch, lucky boy. He just didn't know how lucky... No. Sure, no. You find him passed out on the floor, dead drunk, with a bottle in one hand, a gun in the other, and his wife, Faye, with a look on her face that comes from being shot to death. The real killer could The real killer? Yeah, the real killer could have killed Faye Welch, planted the gun on Johnny because Johnny was too gone to know anything. It has to be like that. Because a jury of his peers said so? Well... Because a girl, a Miss Ida Gray, hops a boat from England, arrives just in time to tell a court Johnny was seeing her off to Europe, from the hours of 11 to 2, the night his wife was killed? It's established Mrs. Welch was killed around 1 o'clock that night. Look, I'm not fighting it, then. Sure it was established. Goes back to what I was saying. Johnny Welch is a lucky boy. Comes home from a party, drunk. Staggers down a hotel hall, meets an old girlfriend, Ida Gray. She takes him with her to bid her a bon voyage. This takes till 2 in the morning, she says. Alibi. Freedom. And Johnny Welch walks the streets to... And I tell you what I will do. Yes, I'll do. When I find Ann, I'll give her your regards. Norris had made it sound pretty convincing, so I decided to give it up as a bad job. After spending the whole day looking for the phantom lady, it was time to lay the problem in the ample lap of Captain Sam Sabaya. It was late when I got to headquarters, but Sam was there behind his desk sipping a hot cup of thick black coffee, Egyptian style. He uh, seemed to be enjoying it more than he did me. Jordan, when I'm ready to see you, I will send for you. I want you to help me find a girl, Sam. American, smooth number, name's Ann Helgen. Indeed, and for what reason? She's all tied up with that plane crash. Of course, and the brandy date. Now get this, Sam. That plane was loaded with dehydrated foods for the Italian black market. Somebody managed to add them to my consignment of dates. I had nothing to do with it. Mm. Most interesting. And about Miss Helga. She's behind the whole operation. So you see why I gotta find her. Of course, Jordan. However, I fear that I have priority on this woman. Why? There is strong evidence that she shot Andy Barker. The lipstick, cigarettes, powder on the floor. He was shot with a twenty-two revolver. Oh, you'll have to do better than that. Of course, Jordan, of course. You know, there is a witness who saw her enter Barker's room shortly before his death. Who's the witness, Sam? A most interesting character, short and ragged with bright red hair. Named Leon Passon? 
Jordan, you had nothing to do with this affair, and yet you seem to know everything. Nothing I haven't told you, Sam. Indeed. First I knew about the load on that plane was when the insurance company sent me a check this morning to cover the loss. Yeah, here's the check. Have a look at it. Hmm, 500 pounds. Jordan, let me suggest that you spend the money very quickly. Why, sir? Further investigation suggests that the plane Andy Barker crashed in the desert was carried... You never heard a laugh. You talked. You saw her when... Drowning. What do you want? I saw Larry Moore a little while ago. I got it on the list. I'm going to see him. Leave him alone. Just to apologize. That's the only reason why I want to see Larry Moore. Apologize because I slugged him. Apologize because Faye is dead. It's a tremendous loss to all of us. Want me to take you back to the hotel now? You don't know what I've been saying at all, do you? Get your ear out of the mud, friend. I'll say something plain. I'm here because Faye is dead. The 12 good men in truth say I didn't kill her, and that's good. If I'd killed her, I wouldn't want to live anymore. If I didn't kill her, someone else did. I told you... The police will take care of it, Johnny. Surprise, surprise, surprise. Get out of here, friend. Leave me alone. Go on, get out. Leave him alone. Leave him to the life he wanted because you had no reason to intrude. Out on the street again and uptown. Stop off for a sandwich. Then back to work again. Back to headquarters. Park the car on the lot across from emergency. Over here, Danny. And the voice that stops you belongs to Detective Muggerman, standing beside an ambulance. What's up, Muggerman? Where have you been? What's the difference? Where have I been? What's the matter? The call came as soon as you left. You didn't leave word where you'd be. I took it. Took what? Now, hold it a minute, fellas. Take a look. Oh, no. Larry Moore, Danny. In the morning, he's beat up. In the evening, he's dead. You see it, Danny? Yeah, I... I see it, Muggerman. Stabbed to death, Danny. Murdered. You are listening to Broadway's My Beat, written by Morton Fine and David Friedkin, and starring Larry Thor as Detective Danny Clover. But he sold out. Perhaps to you. Uh, Not me, lady. Anyhow, the pilot was bought out for a few pounds. They moved the food off the plane and back into Cairo. Where? I don't know. Were you in Andy Barker's room this afternoon? Yes. I accused him of deliberately crashing and burning the plane to cover up for the missing cargo. He was frightened and about to go to the police. Only he was killed before he had a chance. Sam Sabaya thinks you killed him. Did you? Shouldn't I be asking you that question? All right, I'll give you an answer. See this check from the insurance company? I know, for 500 pounds. What are you doing? Tearing it up. That convince you? Well, I'm not sure. There's still the missing food. Okay, let's both clean it up by taking it to the police. Very well. Now, Rocky? Let's go in. What about my gun? Oh, leave it there. Oh, by the way, uh, how'd you get in here tonight? I hid before closing time. Mm, Gotta tell Chris to be more careful. Oh, just a second. And look out! The shots came in through the door glass. I rolled Ann to the floor, and two seconds later was up looking out into the dark. 
The light of a passing car caught the back of a running figure halfway down the block. I told Ann to wait there for me, and for the second time that day, I was off to the races. The guy was way up ahead of me, and the dark street swallowed him up. But a native card seller named Baragit down at the corner told me he'd seen somebody running toward the Sharia El Nar. When I got there, I flipped a paper boy a couple of piastres, and he pointed down to the docks along the Nile. He wasn't far ahead when I reached the docks. A lone riverboat was tied up in front of an old warehouse. I caught a glimpse of somebody ducking in a window. I counted ten and went in after him. The moonbeam from a window played on a stack of cases along the wall. I didn't have to look any closer to know that they were full of dehydrated foods. I kept in the dark trying to spot my little man. No! And then... No! No! Shout snapped me toward the next room way too fast. When I reached the door, the reception was waiting for me. The stars lit up and faded and the familiar black curtain settled in. For England, the night of Mrs. Welch's murder, and came home during the trial. Fortunate for Johnny, Miss Gertie. Had I known of the murder, I would have returned much sooner. Honor bride. Poor Johnny. You feel sorry for him? Bring him to me. Just bring him to me. Just let me get my hands on him. And what? I'd never take them away. <sighs> Not very scientific talk for a technician like me, is it? He killed a man last night. What? Stabbed him to death, a man named Larry Moore. First, Johnny threatened him, then he killed him. Larry Moore? You've probably seen him, Larry Moore. Played piano downstairs in the lounge. And Larry killed Johnny's wife, is that it? And who killed Larry? Do you know where Johnny is? If you find out where, take me to him, will you? You'll be here, Miss Gray. As a matter of fact, no. I have a date with a scientific fella. We're going to discuss variable hydrogen ion concentrations in oreomycin culture. Do I bore you? Then you might as well go. Good morning, Danny. And something else. Danny? Do you want something, Gino? It is not a question, do I want something? Let us say, rather, it is a question, do the gentlelady waiting outside your office want something? Hmm? They wish to see you and enter the late deceased Larry Moore. Oh, bring they them in, Gino. They tell me... Uh, who cares what people tell me? This way to see Danny Clover. If I am needed, Danny, you know where to reach me. The sergeant said you wanted to see me about Larry Moore. Yeah, I I'm Chet Duggar from Trenton. Mm -hmm. Her and Miss Hempstead of... Where are you from, honey? We never did get around to geography. Where are you from? Tell us, honey. Oh, the kid's scared, Mr. Clover. That's why she's clammed up. If you knew what I went through to get her to come down here with... Oh, don't be scared, honey. Why did you come here, Mr. Duggar? Larry and Miss Hempstead and me, Chet Duggar, we were a happy threesome until comes a knock on Larry's hotel room. Larry gets up from the piano to answer it, so he says to someone, Oh, what a pleasant surprise. Then he grunts, walks back into the room, can't play the piano anymore. The knife in his chest makes him all... Why, oh, I, I changed my plans, my... <coughs> Help, you know. I'm beginning to understand. You're the man who had the food taken from that plane. Where is it now, Mr. Norris? I can tell you that. You can prove nothing. Mr. Jordan, I suggest that we talk this over. Yeah, let's do. Oh, uh, by the way, you dropped something in the scuffle, Norris. Is this yours? Why, uh, yes. Just an inhalant tube. My co cold, you know. Sure. <laughs> Only I didn't pick it up here. I found it beside the dead body of Leon Passon down in the warehouse by the Nile. What happened? Passants start getting in your way? 
I'll never have to answer that. Rocky, look out! His hand went for the bulge in his outside pocket, and I moved in. All I did was shove an old St. Louis trick. His suitcase was on the floor right behind him, and he stumbled back and down hard. I went with him, but I came up first with his gun in my hand. No, sir, no. Uh, Want to look at this hand? 22. Just like yours. Why, then he killed Andy Barker, too. Sure. All right, get up, Norris. Uh, yes, 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 of course. What are you going to do now, Jordan? I think I'll let you do it. Get over there and pick up the phone. Now dial 4378. But why? Quick, Norris. But I, I don't understand. You will. Just hang on. Police headquarters, Captain Sabaya speaking. The police? Hello, hello, speak up. Talk to him, Norris. What will I say, Jordan? Just tell him to come and get you. Hello, hello, who is this? Hello, Captain Sabaya. This is Craig Norris, Continental Savoy Hotel. Come and get me. Sam made it in a hurry. Well, this time he saw a lot of things my way. After Norris was salted away and Sam got the story on Leon Passon, there was still plenty of time to send a launch down the river to intercept the boat making its way toward the Mediterranean. And with some extra help, Anne Helga finally got her cargo through to its rightful destination in Naples. Me? I only got one thing. That's all. CBS again at this same time next week for another story of adventure and intrigue when we take you back to Cairo and the Cafe Tambourine run by Rocky Jordan. Jack Moyles plays the title role with tonight's story based on an idea by Bernard Girard and written by Gomer Cool and Larry Roman. Rocky Jordan is produced and directed by Cliff Howell with original music by Richard Arant. Larry Thor speaking. This is CBS, the Columbia Broadcasting System.